Welcome to Donor Conception Conversations. This is the one podcast created exclusively for people who are planning to use donor conception to build their families or for people who have already used donor conception to build their families. My name is Lisa Schumann. I'm your host, and I'm a therapist, an author, a researcher, and I'm passionate about helping people have an easier journey to parenthood. And on this podcast, I'm going to talk about something that's important for everyone, and that is stress reduction. I have a big chapter in my book, The Complete Guide to Donor Conception, and I'll talk about that in a second, but I have a big chapter in that book about stress reduction. And as you approach this process of using donor conception, there will be some stress for everyone. Some people will have more of it, some people will have less of it, and there's a lot to think about. Whether you're well into your journey or you're just starting it, there can be a lot to do in this process. And the toll that it can take on your mind, your body, and your wallet can be enormous. And sometimes any one of those things can be too much for anybody to endure. Now, as you go through this process, those things will continue to be difficult. The way that you manage them will be really important because you want to get through treatment. Of course, it's the only way to build your family. And yet it can take a toll on your mind, your body, your relationships, and everything in your life. Then on top of that, friends and family can also be difficult. And sometimes they can be intrusive and say things that are not so helpful. And that can be really difficult and add on to your stress. So today I'm going to give you a few tips for my new book. This is my new book. And as I mentioned, this book will be coming out soon and you can take a look on Amazon or your local retailer if you want to take a look for this book and you will get much more information than I'll share with you today. If you also want to take a look at more information, you can go to my website. It's familybuilding.net. And on my website, on the book page, you will see information where you can put in your receipt. And as you put in your receipt information, you will be able to receive my Donor Conception Masterclass. It's a big video program that has lots and lots of information about donor conception. It's got guides about how to manage your health in the process and all sorts of things. It also comes with a lot of free eBooks, worksheets, and bonus videos. So I think you'll really like that and we'll get a lot of help from that as well. And it's absolutely free. Okay, now we're going to dive in. But first, I want to talk about something important, and that's legitimacy. Many people don't feel entitled to have a child. And for you, that may not be the case, but for many people, it really is. You know, some people who go through infertility treatment, for example, may feel worn out. They may feel exhausted. They may feel like their body's failing them. Maybe they feel like a failure themselves and they really personalize it and they feel like they're not entitled to have children. Some people feel like if having children was not easy, maybe God doesn't intend it. Some people feel like I really shouldn't have a child. I should just adopt because that's what my friends tell me. Well, adoption's not easy either. So for all of those people, there could be a feeling of not feeling legitimate. If you're part of a same-sex couple, 
you may have other feelings like maybe you had a hard time coming out and maybe people shamed you in some way. Maybe you felt terrible growing up and felt like you were hiding something that you didn't feel comfortable with because you were feeling like you didn't have the right to speak your mind or share who you were. Maybe you're a single parent or you want to be a single parent and you feel like it's not right to have a child alone. So there's a lot of self-criticism and judgment that comes into this picture when you're on the road to building your family. And I think it's really important to recognize that and to remember that it's everyone's right to have a child if they want one. We are all on this planet to build the life that we want to have and to do our best to be good to ourselves and to our loved ones and to people around us. It's really, really important to remember that. And if you're having a lot of difficulty with that, please get some help because it's so important to improve your self-esteem. It will just drag you down. It's so important that you feel better when you start this process. And even if you can't feel great, if you can start to feel a little bit better and a little bit more legitimate and feel a little more entitled to build the family that you want, you're on a good road. Now, to get started, it's important to remember our bodies will always look for something to solve. Our bodies are going to look for problems. That's just how we're wired. It's part of the fight or flight response and the way that we manage, the way that we as animals learn how to live in the world and protect ourselves. But that's important to know because you want to be the observer. You want to be able to look and check out how you're doing that. Check out what's happening in your mind when you start to go to something negative, when you want to go to something that you need to fix, to try to rein it back in. Because the more time we focus on what's negative and the problems we need to solve, the harder things get for us. And we want to do our best to try to stay away from that if we can. Because when we focus on something, it grows, right? So if we're focusing on problems, more of those problems can come into our mind. If we think about anything, that's true. So if you're thinking about buying a particular car, let's say you're buying a Toyota or maybe even a Camry, maybe you're very specific about the car that you want, and you're thinking about it, without really realizing it, you're going to go out into the street and you're going to be thinking about it and you're going to see these Toyota Camrys. You'll see more and more of them because that's what's in the back of your mind. Things grow in our minds when we pay attention to them. So we need to shift our mind towards what we can control more than what we can't control. We, know, we need to start to think about all of these things that are difficult for us as understandable and legitimate, but also we need to try to help ourselves feel better. Now, people think that caring for themselves means that they have to just take it easy, right? People think, I want to take care of myself, and so I'm just going to eat poorly. I'm going to sleep all day. I'm going to have that extra drink when I go out with my friends. And everybody's human. I don't expect anybody to be perfect or to do anything extreme, but if you can remember that that's not really taking care of yourself, it will be helpful to you. So I will give you an example. Let's say you're a parent already and your child goes to school and on the way to school, he skins his knee and you think, 
oh my gosh, he just skinned his knee. And he thinks, oh my gosh, I just skinned my knee. But he gets hysterical. He sees the blood and he's terrified at the sight of it. He starts crying. He starts getting hysterical. You're nervous because he's upset. And both of you get upset. In that moment, it's hard to think clearly. But you can start to think about what is the best action to take here. You could decide he's hysterical. He starts screaming and crying. He's not going to go to school. You can say, all right, maybe I'll bring him home. I'll let him watch some TV. I'll let him have an easy day and he doesn't have to go to school. You could also decide, I'm just going to make him go to school. He's really upset, but after all, it's just a skin knee. He'll survive. So people take either one of those choices and say, I'm perfectly entitled to make that decision. And of course you are. But maybe a third decision would be you clean up the boo-boo, you tell him you love him, you give him a big hug, and you say, you know what, I'm really sorry that you skin your knee, and I'm sorry you're sad, and if you need to sit here for a minute and cry, that's fine, but we do need to go to school. You are neither just giving in to the problem, but also you're not ignoring the problem by pushing him to school. You're taking care of the problem, but you're also giving him a sense of empowerment. You are telling him that he is strong. You're telling him he can overcome this difficulty. And it's really important to do that for yourself. It's important to remember that you know eating poorly and sleeping all day or just getting under the covers is fine for a moment, but it's not really taking care of yourself. Really taking care of yourself would mean doing some things that would be helpful to you. So today I'm going to give you some ideas. In the book, I talk about three stress reduction strategies. And of course, there's many, but I like to group a lot of these strategies into these three categories because I think it can be really helpful in thinking about using all of them. We tend to gravitate to one more than the other, but I think it's really important to try them all. Now, many people try these strategies almost like a menu. I'm going to try this, and then I'm going to try that. And that's fine, but I really want you to think of them more as a buffet. You go around and maybe you choose a little bit from here and a little bit from there and you build a plate that you really like. Also, I think it's good to not be fatalistic about one particular strategy or another. I think it's really important to remember that you can try different things at different times in different ways and they can be useful. For example, some people say, well, I tried therapy. I didn't like the therapist, so I'm never going back to therapy. Therapy is terrible. You know, if you don't like your therapist, maybe you need to try a different therapist. I always say that people spend more time choosing a pair of shoes they like than a therapist they like. So I think it's good to try on some different strategies and give some things that you haven't tried for a while, maybe another go around and see if it'll change. So try on some of these different strategies and see how you feel. And it's really important to give yourself some time. Wherever your body is now, whether it's in the fight or flight mode, whether you're feeling a little depressed, whether you're feeling overwhelmed, it's natural for your body to want to stay in that place. But it's important if you want to start to feel better to commit to some sort of routine. Now, it takes typically 21 days to start to change a habit. And if you can do any of these practices for 21 days, then decide. I like it or I don't like it, it can be really helpful because it's hard to know right away. If you can do the 21 days, then extend it for a month. 
If you can extend it for three months, now you're really building a habit. And then you can start to get a really good idea of how you can start to retrain your body to feel differently. So here are the three strategies. Decreasing negative emotions. Second, increasing positive emotions. And third, managing overwhelm. So within the first group, and again, I I won't be able to talk about all of it today, but within the first group of decreasing negative emotions are things that will decrease your negative emotions. Most people go straight for that. It's harder to increase the positive emotions and to manage the overwhelm. So most people think about decreasing negative emotions. So let's talk about that first. Meditation, yoga, moving your body around, getting into a good exercise routine, engaging in therapy, going on a news diet, or even watching less television, or going on a social media diet can all be helpful. These are things that will help you decrease negative emotions in your life. There are lots of studies that show that many of these things can really, really be helpful because All of the stress that goes into your body really needs to have a place to go. And if you are able to decrease the negative feelings, that can be enormously helpful for you. Increasing positive emotions. So increasing positive emotions are just as important as decreasing the negative emotions. Again, most people just want to decrease the negative emotions and, you know, sometimes in unhelpful ways. Sometimes people drink too much or eat too much or do things to get away from a negative feeling. We also want to put back positive feelings. So let's talk about different ideas for that. You can get outside, get some energy into your body by moving around outdoors. You can give to people. When you give, you also receive. People don't realize the power of giving, but if you give, even if it makes you uncomfortable, and it doesn't have to be money, it could be time, it could be effort, it could be so many things. If you give, you can start to feel so much gratitude, so much fulfillment, and really it can give you so much that you can't even imagine. So I really encourage you to try that. Being able to laugh, being able to connect with others are things that are really important. You know, when you're isolated, it can be really, really difficult to manage your negative feelings. It is really extra poison that you're putting into your body when you spend too much time alone because when you feel depressed, the isolation just increases that depression. So connecting with others, giving yourself an opportunity to laugh, even if it's a funny video, even if it's just spending time with a friend who's enjoyable to be around can really pull you out of a negative state. Being able to focus on gratitude. You know, people say that gratitude will change your attitude, and a lot of people think that's a really hokey thing to say, but it's really true. There are so many good gratitude practices to put into your schedule, to put into your daily routine. And again, I mentioned some of them in the book, but you can research them on your own. You will find that doing that every day can really help. So now let's dive into the last, which is managing overwhelm. As I said before, There are things outside of your control and things inside of your control. And a lot of this process is outside of your control, right? There are certain things you can do like choosing a donor, choosing an agency, choosing a clinic. There's a lot of things you can do, but there's a lot that you can't do. There's a lot of hurry up and wait. There's a lot of busyness and then stopping. 
you are in the passenger seat. You are not in the driver's seat so much of the time. And it can be enormously frustrating for so many people to feel like that, to feel like there's so much that is outside of your control. Now, I spoke in an earlier episode about my life book. That's something that you can work on right now. But what else can you do to manage those feelings of feeling out of control and overwhelmed? So one of the things you can do is put your energy into something that you have some control over that feels pleasurable. Now, lots of people put their energy into work and that's fine. If you work a lot and that's a good escape for you, that's okay. But I'm also talking about doing something that's pleasurable. So why not decide, you know what, this is a really good time. I have some time now to redecorate my living room. Or maybe this is a good time to take up knitting or take up crochet or to learn an instrument or to learn a new language. Why are those things helpful? Well, because you're putting something positive into your life and you see the results back. You take that painting class and you see these wonderful paintings that you've made. You take that sculpture class and you see these beautiful sculptures that all of a sudden you've gotten really good at, or your living room all of a sudden looks so wonderful. When you get to see the fruits of your labor, it can be very satisfying and very stabilizing. When you feel so out of control, it can feel so stabilizing to feel like I see that I've done that and I've also enjoyed that activity. So I think that can be really helpful as something to do on your own. The second thing to do would be to decide to do one of those things with someone else, maybe your partner, maybe your friend. So what could that be? Maybe you take a class together or maybe you do an activity together. Maybe you decide, I want to learn how to make sushi or I want to decide that I'm going to draw a circle around where I live and I'm going to hike every trail within a 20-mile radius and I'm going to do that by the end of the month. That can be really nice because not only are you giving yourself that benefit of feeling stabilized, but you're also connecting with that other person. And we spoke earlier about feelings that can be helpful. One of the feelings that could be helpful is connecting with someone else. So if you're connecting with your partner or another loved one or a friend, it can be kind of a double whammy. You can have this double bonus here. So think about doing that. Now, as you start this process, you might feel like, well, I really don't feel like I can put one more thing into my life. I really would like to do it, but it's just too much. I've got too much going on with this process, with the fertility treatment. I can't do it. Even if you're a little bit too busy, it can be enormously helpful to do. It's not just a good distraction. Although it is a good distraction, it also will help you feel more stable. Next Think about how you can manage conversations and interactions with friends and family. So there are two parts to this. The first part is to think about how your relationship and conversations go around fertility treatment, around the donor conception journey. So sometimes people who care about you are thinking, you know, if I bring it up a lot, then this person may like it, or maybe they won't like it. Maybe they'll feel intruded upon. Maybe if I don't bring it up at all, the person will feel relieved, or maybe they'll feel neglected. It's so confusing sometimes to be a friend or a family member watching you go through this because they don't know what to do. On the other hand, 
you might have friends or family members who are not that thoughtful and loving and just say the wrong thing all the time. Maybe they have cultural or religious differences that cause them to not accept where you are or to offer opinions that are unhelpful. So I think the best way to handle that is to kind of take back some control. Again, we're thinking about what do you have control over? Some people say, that's it. I'm putting down the boundaries. I'm never going to speak to that person again. And that may be a good decision for you, but maybe you're going to want that person back in your life later. Maybe later down the road when things are better and you have this family, you're going to want that person back in your life. So perhaps you can think about a way to manage these conversations rather than cutting that person out. So one idea might be to say to the person, you know, I realize that you bring up this issue a lot about my family building journey, and I know that you mean well, and I really appreciate that you love me so much, but I really don't know how I'm going to feel day to day. It's really confusing because sometimes days are good, sometimes days are bad, sometimes things go well in treatment, sometimes they don't, and I really never know how I'm going to feel about it. And so I don't expect that you will either. And so if we could make this deal, I'd really appreciate it. And that deal would be, if I raise the issue, then I will talk about whatever's going on. But if I don't raise it, let's just talk about what's going on with you. Let's talk about the weather. Let's talk talk about what movies we binge watched on TV, whatever we want to talk about in our lives. That's great. Let's just leave the fertility treatment out of it, okay? The second part is to think about going forward. Now, it may feel too early to think about this, but it's really not. And you'll see why in a minute. So going forward, when you have your family, how are people going to deal with you and your children? There's a lot to think about. You may think about what they're going to call your children. You may have discovered that you really feel like a particular narrative really speaks to you. Maybe you're feeling like it may not speak to everybody else and they may say things that you don't feel comfortable saying. Maybe you decide you want the children to call you daddy and papa. Maybe you decide that there are other things that you want to put your boundaries around. So whatever they are, I think it's good to brainstorm with a good friend if you're a single parent-to-be or with your partner and think about what you want those things to look like. How do you want people to address you and the children? How do they want to um, manage your interactions? And you can even add on things that are not fertility related, like if you feel it's really important to be vaccinated around the child, if you feel like you're not going to want to have anybody around for the first two weeks, whatever it is, if you can put together a rule list for your friends and family, and maybe even start to craft something that will be a nice letter to all of them. So before you go to delivery, whether you're using a surrogate or delivering on your your own, you can send out this email to all your friends and family, and then everybody's on the same page. And then nobody can say that you haven't said it. The rules are out there and everybody knows what's important. And that's really a gift, not just to you, but to them, because then they know what to do. Last, stay on schedule. I know that can sound so difficult to think about because people don't like that. They don't want to feel tied down, but it can be really grounding also to get up the same time every day, go to bed the same time, 
being able to get an exercise routine and a meal routine that really works for you. It's so good for your body and really good for your mind and spirit. So with that, I'm going to leave you today and let you know that if you'd like to buy this book, there are many more stress reduction techniques and much more information about the things that we just briefly scratched the surface of. I've got a lot of information here. I've got a lot of information on my website at familybuilding.net. And I really wish you the best on your journey. It is so hard. I understand it's quite a struggle. And you're never going to look back and say, oh, that was great, because it's hard. It's hard, as I said, on your mind, on your body, and on your wallet. And one day, even though it's hard, you will transform. You're going to transform yourself from a patient to a parent. And that is going to be amazing. You are going to have all of the joys and the difficulties of being a parent, but you will love being a parent. You will love your child and your child will love you and it will be beautiful. So thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. And feel free to reach out to me anytime. 